Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Dealing with the debt ceiling is their constitutional responsibility. I would not be concerned about a financial crisis. We're executing a comprehensive strategy to secure our borders. He takes this very seriously when it comes to classified documents. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. News and Views for a Friday. Lots to talk about today. And we've got a great uh, interview coming up with Harris Faulkner. She'll be joining us about 20 after. And uh, she's got a new book out called Faith Still Moves Mountains. Fascinating interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, Today is the annual March for Life march in washington dc now a year ago the march protest uh, was somewhat optimistic that roe v wade would be overturned via the dobbs decision which it was later in the year and of course the for the last 49 years the march was really centered around the supreme court decision of 1973 the roe decision And uh, now that the Supreme Court has essentially reversed that decision via the Dobbs decision, now the marchers will really focus on the U.S. Capitol, going to uh, talk to their uh, congressmen and women and uh, really encourage them not to embrace this idea that they need to codify Roe, that rather uh, there are some some goals by leaders in the pro-life movement, people like Marjorie Danzenfelder, who's been on our program before. Um, she would like to see now this might be a long shot, but she would really like to see the federal government put into place a minimum standard. In other words, you cannot have an abortion past a certain a number of weeks of gestation some people well six weeks is probably not going to happen 13 weeks and i know for the pro-life crowd and i i'm i'm with you i i don't want to see abortion at all regardless of the timetable but i think politically speaking i would rather uh see the federal government embrace something like a 13 week standard then do nothing at all, and then you you work down from there. I mean, yes, I would like it to be one day that we don't have abortion at all uh, in our country. Now, what's interesting is uh, since the Dobbs decision, most of the legislation has gone back to the states, and uh, I don't see Cong- well now that the uh, Republicans have uh, taken over the House, I don't see Congress. Uh, doing anything to codify a woman's legal right on a federal level to abortion. Uh, Since June, near total bans on abortions have been implemented in Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, and West Virginia. Uh, Elective abortions are also unavailable in Wisconsin uh, and also in North Dakota. Um, remember just recently there was a six week limit on abortion in South Carolina. The South Carolina Supreme court struck that down. So, uh, we'll see where it goes. But, uh, again, this will be the first March in 50 years that has taken place in Washington, DC, the March for life in which Roe v. Wade was struck down. So, uh, 
when we lived in Baltimore many decades ago, several decades ago anyway, uh, we used to go down to the March for Life on a regular basis. And uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of uh, crowd there will be today. My hunch is it will be, it might be a record crowd uh, due to the fact that uh, this is a, really a celebration that Roe v. Wade was uh, turned over. But also, uh, the weather is uh, cooperating with it rather well. Uh, Tony Dungy, the former coach for the uh, Indianapolis Colts, announced earlier this week that he will be attending the March for Life in Washington, D.C. You know, there's a theme to today's program. There's a real faith theme that you're going to pick up. Uh, Not not only this story, but uh, our interview with... um, Harris Faulkner, and also another story. We have yet another story concerning uh, Ivan Provorov, who is the uh, Philadelphia Flyers uh, defensive man, and, who, and we'll get to that in a second. But I want to cover this Tony Dungy story first. The two-time Super Bowl champion, one as a player, one as a coach, said he will tend to support those unborn babies who don't have a voice. It will be his first time at the rally and spark criticism in the media. Dave Zinner, sports editor for The Nation, said he is done with Tony Dungy and the way the NFL and NBC coddle his right-wing extremism. Why is it that everybody is upset with right-wing Christian extremism, as as you're going to hear in the uh, uh, interview we're going to do with uh, Harris Faulkner? She, she very much is outspoken as to how so much of the left wing of this party, this nation, wants to cancel uh, Christians and conservatives. But why is it that uh, he, he is he is upset that Tony Dungy is being tolerated when you consider all the left wing ideology and uh, individuals that push that I- ideology? Who's coddled more by NBC? And the NFL. Zurin wrote, he said publicly and proudly that he would. Um, uh, Zurin says Dungy is someone venerated throughout the NFL world as a man of character, but has spent years as an anti gay bigot. He went on to write, he said publicly and proudly that he would not want to want gay football player Michael Sam on his team. He said over a decade ago that he disagreed with the lifestyle of Jason Collins the first out active male gay player in the main North American sports. Uh, this is a dungy staple calling him LGBT, a lifestyle, even after people said to him re- repeatedly how hurtful and outdated such description is, he simply doesn't care. He also ripped the NFL and NBC where Dungy hosts football night in America, uh, celebrating him and his politics. This is a staggering indictment of the politics of the NFL and the network's partners that they would allow this kind and they would uh, they would allow and the kind that they condemn when someone like, gee, I don't know, Colin Kaepernick steps up and kneels down to end police violence with racial inequality and equity. He comes the pariah. What are you talking about? (laughs) Colin Kaepernick has become the pariah. He was celebrated in the media. My gosh, I, I mean, Colin Kaepernick, I mean, he, he comes out and compares the NFL to literally Civil War era slavery. If Dungy wants a show on The Daily Wire, 
More power to him, Zarin wrote. But his being center stage on most watch program in the country makes NBC and the NFL complicit with his disinformation and political posturing. So if you're if you believe in in biblical values, if you're a conservative, uh, you don't have a place at the table, according to this guy, Zirin. Uh, it, it gets more bizarre. There's a story in Fox News today. Sports media mocks Flyers Ivan Provorov's faith for refusing to participate in Pride festivities. We've been talking about this all week. Uh, we came out with a story two days ago. Then yesterday we talked about the fact that, interestingly, the, uh, the these uh, organizations that sell National Hockey League jerseys, this guy, you're sold out of this guy's jersey suddenly as soon as the story broke. Uh, the story goes on. The liberal sports media is coming down hard on Philadelphia Flyers defenseman Ivan Provorov for skipping festivities celebrating the LGBTQ pride. On Tuesday, Provorov de- uh, decided to opt out, saying he goes it goes against his religion. I respect everyone. I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion, Provorov told reporters after the game. So, uh, uh, again, the story was on Tuesday night, there was a gay celebration, gay pride night at uh, Philadelphia Flyers game. And they asked the players to put on gay pride jerseys and they, uh, they made their hockey sticks uh, have the gay pride tape instead of just the regular black tape on the sticks. And uh, he said, no, he said, this goes against my religion. I'm not going to do it. Canadian sports pundit Sid Sexerio called on the NHL to fine the Flyers $1 million over Provorov's insulting comments. Quote, the theme from the National Hockey League is that hockey is for everyone. Okay. The theme isn't hockey is for everyone, dot, 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 unless you don't believe in gay rights, then do whatever you want. If the National Hockey League is going to do this, if any league is going to do this, do it properly or reevaluate what you're doing because there's not a lot of repercussions that I'm seeing from any league. So my question is this. This guy says that if you're not participating in this, then then basically um, you're, you're not for this inclusivity. So where was this guy when certain athletes refused to participate in the singing of the national anthem? Was that anti-American? Should they have been called out for that? He goes on to say the National Hockey League needs to attack this and figure this out because what I heard last night was offensive and didn't make any sense. Nothing scares me more than any human being who says I'm not doing this because of my religious beliefs. Because when you look at people's lives who normally say that publicly, you'd throw up at what you'd saw. You would throw up at what you saw. And I've seen that a million times. I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about, but apparently he is he is basically pointing to anybody like Provorov and saying, uh, they say one thing, but they do something else. And if you would actually see their lifestyle compared to what they say, you would throw up. With respect, don't give me that because no one's perfect. Don't give me the religious beliefs line And all of a sudden, the NHL is going to back off this. So what this guy is basically saying is uh, Christians are hypocrites because they say they believe in certain, they believe in Jesus Christ as their savior, and then they embrace certain biblical values. 
Now, I, I don't know of any Christian. I mean, the Bible makes it real clear. Uh, if you say that you're without sin, you're a liar. So I don't know any Christian that says, you know, I'm perfect. They're not saying that. They're saying, I believe in, in, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the scriptures, and I try to follow the scriptures as best I can. That doesn't mean they're saying they're sinless or they're perfect. I mean, if you're a believer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But this guy's upset because Provorov is simply trying to live out what he says he believes. And he's saying, well, that's hypocritical because he's not perfect. NHL Network senior reporter E.J. Hardick suggests that the Russian-born flyer player should go back to his homeland and join the fight against Ukraine if participating in pride events is that problematic for him and wants to feel more comfortable. And he's been in North America for a long time, he went on to say. He played in the Western Hockey League. Now he's been in Philadelphia for many years. If this is that much of a problem for him to maybe assimilate into his group of teammates and the community and here in this country, that's okay. Listen, you can feel the way you want, but the beauty is if it bothers you that much, there's always a chance to leave, go back when you feel where you'd feel more comfortable. I understand there's a conflict of sorts going on over there. Maybe get involved, Hardik said. ESPN senior NHL writer Greg Wyshynski called out Provorov for pre- previously participating in the Flyers' military event. Of course, Ivan Provorov is more happy to play a pre-game dress-up when it aligns with his belief system. Uh, Wyshynski snarled while showing an image of Provorov's autographed camouflage-themed jersey that was then auctioned off. The Sports Network commentator and the Atlantic contributor Pere uh, Lebrun disapproved of Provorov's claim that he respects everyone. Quote, but Provorov's previously does not respect everyone. I'm sorry, Provorov's obviously does not respect everyone. If he did, he would have taken part in the warm-up, worn the pride jersey, don't hide behind religion, LeBrun swiped at Flyer, at the Flyer. Uh, l- listen, this is, I, again, such a double standard when compared with other issues that people have said, I'm not going to participate. And you can respect people, as Provorov said. You can love people. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to condone their lifestyle and accept their lifestyle. And listen, that's a daily occurrence. Every parent of a teenager knows exactly what I'm talking about. You don't stop loving your children, but there are a lot of things that you say, I am not going to condone your behavior. That doesn't mean you don't, you've stopped loving them. LeBrun's TSN colleague, Gord Miller, appeared to agree with uh, his sentiment, tweeting, one, Ivan Provorov had the right to refuse to participate in the Pride Night activities in Philadelphia. Two, the Flyers should have responded by not allowing him to play in the game. Freedom of expression doesn't give you the freedom from the consequences of your words or actions. Really, again, go back to BLM and the kneeling on the football field. I didn't hear these people complaining about that. The hockey news writer Adam Pordeaux joined in the pylon tweeting, Ivan Provorov has the right to any opinion he chooses, and we have the right to any opinion on Ivan Provorov that we choose. Like this, he's a shameful human being whose homophobia is only going to get more shameful over the years. Sports writer Machel uh, Melanta 
offered a similar sentiment, writing, being LGBT plus is not a choice. Really? So uh, we're going back to that old expression. It's not a choice, that you, you have no choice in the matter. Huh. Being ignorant, obnoxious, and homophobic is a choice. Ivan Provorov wasn't wearing uniform tonight and at the NFL Flyers should not have let him play. Stop letting bigots hide behind their cherry-picked religion. Well, who's the bigot when it comes to Christianity here? Rachel? Steve Dreyer, NHL editorial manner for uh, SB Nation, decried, I was hoping what I heard about Provorov wasn't true, but it has been confirmed. In the year 2023, Provorov could couldn't have had a rainbow logo touch his skin for just a, t- a few minutes, he asked sarcastically. The athletic senior writer Mark Lorenzes added, the Flyers should have scratched Provorov and cited their basic human decency. While many in sports media denounce Provorov, his fans have responded differently as his jersey is quickly sold out, as I just mentioned. Fox News contributor Guy Benson commented on the story saying uh, Thursday, that I am all for gaining acceptance for LGBT people in the sports community said, I think it becomes meaningless to have pandering to have to have to pandering to people like me if it's mandatory, if it's coerced. It doesn't make any sense, he said. But I, I, again, you can accept the people of the LGBT community. You can accept, I mean, everyone is made in God's image. Okay, I accept that. And I I think we should accept people and we should love people. That doesn't mean we've got to love their lifestyle and accept their lifestyle. But here's a question for all these enlightened progressives. What if the Philadelphia Flyers had a Christian night celebrating uh, at NHL hockey games? We're going to have a Christian night. All Christians are invited to come. And all the players were asked to wear a jersey that had a cross on the front And on the back of the jersey, it said, Jesus is the only way. And what if there was an atheist on the team who refused to participate? Would you see these same progressives saying the things they said about Provorov? I don't think so. I seriously doubt it. Kudos to Ivan Provorov for standing up and saying, look, this is what I believe, and I'm going to live out what I say I believe. Shame on all these people that would have looked the other way when it came to taking a knee for the national anthem. But yet when it comes to this, they have no tolerance. Stay with us. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Harris Faulkner. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Harris Faulkner, anchor of the Faulkner Focus and co-host of the Outnumbered on Fox News Channel, joins us. Harris, uh, I don't know if you realize you're talking to your old stomping ground. Your career started out right here in Greenville, North Carolina, WNCT. A hundred percent. I was at CBS there, New, WNCT News Ten and Nine. That's that right. <laughs> you remember well. <laughs> what, what year? Yes, of course. What, what years was that? Were, were you here? I started out in 90 to 91, okay. maybe late 91 in that market. Wow, and, you're aging um, both of us. Roy Hardy was the news director. Right. And uh, I had a blast. I mean, those, those were the places where I would go and cover stories. I had no experience, Tom. And, I mean, it was like, I can't even explain how foundationally important that was for me. 
that people trusted my judgment to go out and I would talk to everybody. I mean, I, I covered a KKK rally. I mean, I went everywhere and interviewed people from all walks of life and always felt like everybody's voice mattered in every conversation, particularly when the topics were tough. That was most important. This is America. That's really where my grassroots journalism started. Well, you would be shocked at how uh, Eastern North Carolina has grown since uh, the early 1990s. But uh, we need to have I you back. I can't wait to see it. You, we I, need I can't wait to see it. I mean, East Carolina University was amazing then, and I see what things are happening on campus now. And uh, I would love it. I would love it. We we looked at the the uh, book tour, and I put mega churches on my book tour. So because the book is about faith, right? It still moves right. mountains and. I would love to visit a large church there and and do a prayer circle with people. I think it's important that they see that, you know, the world may want to cancel us, but I will not be canceled. And you can't tell me that I can't talk about my faith because I'm a journalist. I'm not prophesizing. I am a witness. Divine assignment on my life is to be a witness and telling people miracles and prayer and how how much of an impenetrable weapon that is spiritually in a world that would really rather we give up the fight. Well, the name of your new book is Faith Still Moves Mountains. And uh, I guess it's a, a compilation of different true stories of how people uh, saw God intervene in their lives when they're praying over matters. Of all the stories you cover in your book, which one really was the most all-inspiring that you just looked at and I got goosebumps as you as you wrote about those individuals? Well, there are a couple things. Historically, probably the nation's most famous general, uh, George S. Patton. I had no idea when I started to research that story that he was a man of faith the way he was. I mean, he would talk with chaplains, I need a prayer before this battle, he wore a cross around his neck. Nothing about his faith ever was spoken of, and wearing a cross is an indicative that you might be a strong person of faith, but when you're at war and other soldiers seeing you wear that, yeah, it's a pretty good indication that you know that it's going to take something more than bullets and good military planning to get through, and he knew it, and the world would be different if we hadn't won World War II. Oh, so, yeah. It is amazing. So anyway, I, I prayed about it when I was, I prayed about each chapter because I wanted to know what part of the story God wanted me to find. And in that one, do you know, somehow I did not reach out to him. Somehow Benjamin Patton and I had crossed paths. Hmm. And for the book, I did reconnect. Like years ago, we had crossed paths. Our father served because his dad went on to serve too, not just his grandfather, George S. Patton. Mm-hmm. But I sat with him, and he was wearing the cross that the general wore through World Wars One and Two. Hmm. It was humbling to see how the Lord can move if He wants to use you, and I think that's what this is about. So that story stands out. Now, out of the ripped from headline stories, oh my goodness gracious, Amen. The story in the book about. Some teenagers on senior skip day getting themselves in a deadly dangerous situation in open water and how a 17 year old young girl had the spiritual presence just to pray they were drowning hmm. and she knew that her prayers were going to be heard and so that's 
what they did, they were treading water for quite some time and the water was cold. And that's the story that I hear most about. That one and Ernestine inside her prayer closet that survived, the twisters that tore down every house on the block, including hers. But the weathered, wet, torn prayer closet stood as she prayed to God. And when the EMTs got there, they said she was shouting. Thank you, Lord, for getting me through this storm. Thank you. It was your will to give me more of the life you have given me. She was in her 80s. I mean, there's something for everybody. Now, as you put these stories together, were these stories that you came across? Now, obviously, the George Patton was an exception, but these these stories that are relatively current events, were these stories that you crossed during your news coverage of uh, just your daily routine? Yes. So with the 2019, so that was very recent, uh, twister outbreak in Lee County, Alabama, Ernestine and, and that neighborhood uh, became very well known. It was it was early in the season for a really brutal twister season, and and President former President Trump went there. And in my show's coverage of him being there, I looked at that. I've covered storms. I was a storm chaser in Kansas City for eight years on the air for Fox. Hmm. So I've seen a lot of disasters. I've seen people at their lowest point, and people were steeped in prayer all around the president. I mean, that was such a prayerful community, and Ernestine's name was someone, you know, she was someone that people lifted up and looked to because she was always praying. She had a prayer closet in her house. It wasn't a secret. And that was something I wanted to press in on. You know, it was, it was so it, remarkable to talk to, you know, people during my career about survival. But I realize now, Maybe we should broaden those questions out to not how did you survive, but do you believe that there is anything that is responsible for your survival outside of luck? What did you think of the DeMar Hamlin situation that happened very recently Uh, where, you know, you have an entire, literally a a good portion of the nation getting on their knees and praying for this man and seeing how he miraculously, you know, went from the deathbed to, you know, an incredible situation where he survived and seems like he's doing just fine now. You know, I was not surprised that you would see prayer burst in the NFL because I covered sports for many years and I know that there's so many players and coaches who pray, but you know, we're in a, we're in a culture that wants to cancel those people. So Joe Kennedy, the high school coach who went all the way to the Supreme court late last year and the court ruled for him to be able to play with his young high school players. Um, I had him on the show and he and I started talking about if you take prayer away at this level, when guys are close to losing their lives, walk, you know, not able to even walk away from the professional game because it's a dangerous sport. Right. Uh, because of you know, people being paralyzed. He said, if you take it out now, what will they have as grown men playing the sport? And it was such an interesting topic to talk about last year. Jamar Hamlin comes along and you see the outpouring, but the example that you saw first, was on those sidelines. Oh, yeah. You saw those players praying, and the nation went, aha, uh-huh, that's who we are. That's it, right, that's who we are. Don't you dare try to tell us that yeah. the only time we can kneel is if we don't respect the flag. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to tell us that, because we're going to kneel when we want to pray. It is an and, interesting... And it's a reminder. 
Well, it's an interesting juxtaposition with Joe Kennedy on one side having to go to the Supreme Court to, to fight for his right to pray. And on the other side, you have a man who is seemingly dead on the field and you have an entire uh, two teams, both on their knees. And then you have you know the rest of the NFL following the rest of the nation following them. You know, as long as there are situations like that, <laughs> the legislators uh, and, and the judiciary really don't have any say in whether or not we're going to pray or not. Oh, listen to what you just said. See, now you're speaking truth. Yep. I mean, you're speaking power in those words. And that's a great thing. What you're talking about, Tom, is praying boldly, being bold in your faith, being unapologetic. Let the world see it. Let the world see who's in charge. Uh, I believe that it's the Lord. And I believe that when we echo what he has in mind, his will, when we show people what is possible through kindness and not division, when we stop canceling and start ushering in something better, that's what's in control. Well, he is sovereign. Let me, I know we're very limited on time and this is going to be hard for you to answer in 60 seconds, but how did you come to a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, which is obviously what's launched your your life, your career, and you writing this book? Well, my parents, when my father was in Vietnam and he was flying his fighter jet, he had a picture first of my mother because I wasn't born yet, and then later in the war I was. Um, he had a picture of the two of us, and he would pray, not for himself, but for protection over us. Hmm. When other people pray for you who love you, even when their circumstances are dire, that's one powerful example. And when we were united as a family, he would often tell the story of, when you say you're going to pray for someone, it's important that you do it, that you get a name, that you lift it up. So that was the beginning. And now what I'm doing is I'm getting names in this book, Faith Still Moves Mountains, and I'm lifting up their story so that people can see that if they have mountains to move in their lives, if it's a medical, if it's a a loss of a loved one, whatever it is that they're struggling with, whatever their season is, the Lord is right there ready for you. Lean into God and He will lean into you. Let Faith Still Moves Mountains remind you of just how powerful that prayer is. I'm assuming they can uh, purchase this book online at Amazon.com and other outlets. Yes, Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, wherever. And yes, Amazon, it's still a bestseller. It is the ninth week on the New York Times bestseller list. We were number one. Well, I saw that. I, I saw that. me because it's everybody in this book with me. It's their story. It's amazing. I know. I, I, I No one could have guessed that. A news anchor writes a book about faith. And people actually go out and read it and then bought so many of them and continue to do as gifts because the greatest gift we give each other is faith. Yep. Harris, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Good to hear from you. Good to hear how successful the book is going. Uh-huh. And thank you for your your stance for your Lord and Savior Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that you're standing firm from him and uh uh, you know, you're, you're, you're pointing to him as uh, you share these stories. Faith still moves mountains. Thanks for joining us. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a blessed Friday. You do. Thank you, Harris. Bye-bye. 